How's everybody doing this morning? Um, one of the things I really think is cool about church is that we offer hope because we offer Jesus. And this morning we're going to be talking about a, uh, a subject that is kind of not talked a lot about at the church, which is sex. So if you have small children and you do not want them to hear some of the things that are going to come out this morning, I would recommend that you put them in the children's ministry. That being said, we're going to pray right now. Lord, I love you so much. I just thank you that you are a God. Lord, that loves sex. You gave it to us for a gift as joy. And Lord, we as human beings, Lord, we've really screwed that up. Lord, may we remember in Ephesians 6, chapter 6 that we need to put on the whole armor of God and that we wrestle not with flesh and blood. So if we're thinking about something that's impure, an idea, a picture, a thought, we remember that you know, we're not wrestling against flesh. We're wrestling against the Spirit. Because those things are caused not from you, but from someone else. We love you, Lord, and as we continue to move on to this service, Lord, may we steady our hearts. May we be opened to what needs to happen in each one of us, because it affects every one of us. Our culture, Lord, bombards us with the product that we fill our minds with, Lord. May we remember that, you know what, that was not your intent. We love you, Lord, and we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. So I want to take a moment, and I want to read a piece of life with you guys. This piece is titled, The Boy That Was Me. Full exposure to the full exposure of how sex darkened me. From the start, having my dignity ripped apart, just four years old, not even knowing what these are. And oh, how these things would leave a lasting and deep scar. Taken advantage of and violated, could never run or ever escape it. Constant threats were always lurking. Everything just seemed so dark and very uncertain. The season closes, we must move on. This is just the beginning of how things went wrong. We'll move to 10 or 11, you see. This is a critical point. This is where I met pornography. Everyone had all the channels. No one there to manage what we could handle. Countless hours of being a boy, learning to play with his brand new toy. Still no clue or idea behind this whole thing, but tortured by the feelings that it would surely bring. Years of saturation by the infatuation of the impure sexual connotations. Thrown in this world to figure it out, had it all wrong, never a doubt. To the next season, we must keep moving. Completely honesty, still no clue of what I'm doing. Learned real quick to start to count. Thought that is what it was supposed to be about. Women became objects for me to collect, as if I were some great catch. Didn't care how they felt. Remember, I was taught it was all about self. It didn't take long to establish a reputation. 
but I didn't care. There was always masturbation. Time to flip the page and on to the next chapter. This next glimpse, surely a disaster. Tried to settle down for what I thought was love. Quickly I learned how wrong I was. I didn't know there was supposed to be connection. I thought it was all about my satisfaction. This drove a wedge and set us apart. Still lying with her, I decided to depart. Out chasing my needs with her at home. That's how I got left back on my own. Then I experienced a season of reflection, thrown into prison where there was only masturbation. Two long years of filling my needs, chasing thoughts and false fantasies. Came back to home swearing I'd changed, but if I'm truthfully honest, I was still the same. I had tried that love thing and only got burned. I wasn't quite ready to give it another turn. Back to the game I always played. Just have to fill my need. Just have to get it today. It didn't take long for this season to fade. I found my heart to be extremely dismayed. There has to be more to this. There has to be something I missed. I grew so tired of constant rejection. I ever so longed for true connection. So I put down the porn and the constant chasing, decided the best to go into a season of waiting. Thank you for, as Pastor Dan has shared, a gift that you've given to this world and to the, your church. And God, we, we begin our time together in this message today, repentant. From the very beginning, Lord, knowing that the church has a voice to speak into this issue and yet have chosen not to, which in our silence, we've let the world show us and teach us things that have corrupted our idea of something that you created. Father, it is our hope and our prayer today that both men and women, single, married, widowed, divorced, whatever the situation, would find freedom in your perfect love and your perfect plan. And we thank you for how you're about to do this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. So tough topic today as we talk about something that the church should be talking about but has not talked about. Something that the church should be engaged in but has not been. Something that probably puts you on the edge of your seat from the very beginning of hearing Danny's spoken word. But these are truths and realities that the church has avoided. And it's our goal and our hope today to hit this topic in a way that reclaims what God's natural design is for this issue. Let me give you just a couple of things to help you think about this. In today's sex-saturated culture, here's what we would hear in a general overarching thing. As long as it's consensual, as long as it's enjoyed, you know, as long as it, and we speak of it openly and we're real and, and, and just tell all people all of our news and it's safe, it's good, right? This is what we're taught and this is what today's view is. In television programming, I don't know if you know this, but specific television programming that's targeted to teens, 90% of the episodes targeted toward teenagers have at least one sexual reference in it. And they average about 7.9 references per hour. And that's just normal TV. You know, this is, you know, not cable. This is normal broadcast TV. We also know that some of us grew up pre-1960s, right? Pre-sexual you know, sexual revolution. And we think about that topic and we think about that, we think about what we think would be the good old days 
And we think that that's also then the right view on this topic. For instance, that meant it was monogamous for childbearing, that you didn't talk about this topic. It was hidden, right? Remember all the bedrooms, all those TV shows, what was, what was it like? The husband had a bed, the wife had a bed, and there was a whole big gap between the two of them, right? This was the, the picture that we were shown prior to the 1960s which brought a revolution against that idea because the reality is, is neither one of those encapsulate a biblical understanding of sexuality. They're both off in many different ways. In fact, what's interesting is we've been silent about this issue, but the Bible's not. Over a hundred verses, check that out, a hundred verses over that that are in the Bible dealing with sexuality and sex. And so as we talk about the game of life and we go into this critical topic, which impacts so many different people, regardless of age, we're going to hit this in a way that we hope will honor God and give you a footing to honor him in your worship. So how do you go through sexual healing as a culture, as a church, as a married couple, as a people? So here's how we're going to do that. We're going to admit from the very beginning that we as a culture across many generations have divorced God from this topic. So we've divorced God from the topic of sex. And when we do that, let me tell you what it does. The first thing it does is it destroys his idea. It distorts it and it destroys it. So because we divorced God from this idea, we begin to get our ideas all over it from different places. And then we've often forgot and don't even think about it, but think about this for a second. Sex is God's idea. Have you ever thought about that? Like, I have a weird brain, okay? And I'm just thinking God's up in heaven. You know, he versed all of creation. He's got humankind. He's like, wonder what would be a great way for them to understand intimacy. And he's the one that conceived of this idea, okay? That's kind of wild to think about that God's the one that created that. But let me tell you why he did. At the heart of a physical union is also a spiritual union and an emotional union. If you're to properly understand this issue, you can't divorce it either from either side. And when you think about the father having perfect fellowship and perfect intimacy with himself within the Trinity, you get an idea of kind of maybe what was going on when he thought about this wonderful and beautiful idea. In Genesis 2, listen to what he says. Genesis 2, starting in the second half of the 20th verse, he says, For Adam no suitable helpers found. So the Lord caused the man to fall asleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up that place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that she'd taken out of the man, and she brought her to the man. Now think about that. This is God's idea. And it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. At the beginning, there was no shame. This wasn't a hidden topic. Like, this was God's idea. And when I think about that, I think about how we've destroyed it because we've stopped talking about it in the church, and especially as parents. One of the things I think that is, is just horrible when you think about this topic is our kids many times learn their ideas about sexuality from school, from the media, and from their friends when they should be learning about it from their parents and their elders. The second thing, when you look at this, when we divorce God from sex, we practice what I would call sexual idolatry. 
Hopefully you're able to hear the tension of that in Danny's spoken word, that we've elevated it to be something that God never intended for it to be, and we make it an end-all, be-all. Especially if you're a single person, you probably see this in the culture in which you live, and even maybe some of the music that you listen to. And when sex becomes idolatry, we place it out of order. That's essentially what idolatry is, is when you place something out of order and you give it a primary um, hope over God or a primary design over God. And so when I think about this, I think of, you can think of it as pop. Thinking about different ways that we do this. One of the ways we do this is in the area of priority. We make that physical the end-all, be-all. And we forget that there's an emotional and spiritual component to this that God designed to only happen inside the confines of marriage. So that people could reveal and be intimate and build relationship with this in a way that's whole. And when we only make it about a physical, we lose sight of these other two dimensions. The other thing is we put it out of order. In our culture today, it's okay before marriage, right? It's okay outside of marriage. And the reality is we put that out of order. What we've done is we've actually violated, again, these other pieces of marriage and this union. The other one is we've lost its purpose. We think that the purpose is self-gratification or gratification of one another. And the reality is this will mess you up, especially if you're married. But the purpose of sex as a union is to glorify God. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way, but it is an act of worship when properly understood. And that's something cool. Now, next time if you're married and you're being intimate with your spouse, you can say hallelujah, all right? Because it's part of God's design when done properly and when done in the confines of how God says it should go. When we divorce God, though, from this idea, we destroyed his idea. We practice this idea of idolatry, which eventually pushes us to a place where we meet our need because of our greed. That's where it pushes us. We meet our need because of our greed, because of our not understanding this issue and the way that it should be understood. When we make it about our needs, we miss God's design again. This is why it has to be inside of a covenant relationship, a relationship between one man and one woman based on God's design, where they give their covenant to one another before God, Because when that happens, you've created a situation where true intimacy can begin. Outside the confines of that, you lose intimacy. You struggle with it. You wrestle for it. You're guessing whether it's true intimacy or it's something that's fake. Where we see this in our culture is in the area we talked about a second ago, which is premarital sex. People think it's okay. Can't tell you how many people will come and say, hey, I'm ready to get married. And they'll come to the church and we'll talk to them. And they're already living together and they're already having a physical union. Well, here's the reality. My mom said this when I was a kid. I didn't understand it. Now I get it. She goes, why would you buy the milk when you get the cow for free? And here's the reality that has connected to this idea of covenant partnership, covenant relationship. I'm not talking about what the state gives us in that piece of paper. You can go online and get ordained, okay? That's not a big deal. I'm talking about the covenant relationship where you understand your roles inside of this union. And when you understand that and you begin to understand the intimacy, it doesn't become about your need or your greed, but about actually honoring God in your actual union. And I'll give you a hint for young people. If you're young, you're single, you're divorced, you're widowed, and you're in a season of waiting, and I know that can be ten- tenuous. It actually increases temptation, right? I'm with y'all, okay? But let me give you a piece that uh, I think will help you. And it's sarcastic. And Danny's told me I need to stop using sarcasm, but I'm struggling with that. 
But let me just give you a piece that I think will help you. I've never opened the obituary. Some of you read obituary still? I still want obituary reader, right? I never opened it up and it says, man died of a lack of sex. Never read it, okay? So it won't kill you to wait. It won't kill you to set yourself aside for a season of purity. It won't kill you to then wait for the right person. This is also, when I see this idea of meeting our need based on greed, this is where you begin to see emotional and physical affairs within marriages. Some of the stats that I read are staggering. That 70% of couples when surveyed said there has been a minimum within their season of union, an emotional or physical affair that's taken place at some point. How is that possible? It's possible because we've let the world creep into our idea of this topic. Did you know that pornography, which Danny mentioned, is pretty rampant in our culture today? 70% of the men in this room at some point have been exposed or used pornography. That's just statistically true. Now, here's another one that will mess us up. A third of the women. And that wasn't true in the past, but it has become increasingly true of the culture in which we live and the saturation. Let me give you an idea of how pornography destroys us and what it does to our culture. And I'll do it in a humorous way because this is a tense message. Like you're afraid to even fart right now or move in your chair, right? Because it's just so tight and just kind of like, this is weird. Okay, let me, let me just loosen it up a little bit for you in the message. You probably remember this old um, jingle. Remember this one? To all beef patties, sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickled, on a... Okay, now younger people are like, what the heck are you talking about? I know, okay. This was a jingle about a sandwich, right? So what if you only sang the jingle... What if you only ever viewed the commercial, but you never ate the burger? Would you really know what two all beef patties really taste like, right? Would you really know what's all there? That's what pornography does, is it gives us a false image, a false understanding of what God's intention is, of the beauty of this wonderful thing that he created. And when we do that, we divorce God from this idea, and I think we, we miss it out. 68% of divorces in our country mentioned that one partner had some issue that they were dealing with specifically related to pornography and the internet. 56% um, involved one party having an obsessive interest in that topic. And the reality is over the last 20 years of counseling people in the church, I want to give you something that I see as a pattern over and over again, whether it's this issue or it's an emotional affair, or it's a physical affair. Something I see over and over and over again is this. One party is wounded, and the other party gets stuck. And they just can't get quite to the forgiveness issue, and they hold it over them, and they can't release it. And I see it over and over again. It's because we don't understand how to move forward on these tough issues because we don't talk about them. In other words, somebody says, just forgive. And the other one's like, but it's so hard to forget the wound and the hurt and how to move past that. And that's because we can't forget that encapsulated in this is God's grace. It's God's grace. We have to understand God's grace, even in the midst of things that are as difficult as this, that whether you've struggled with an issue of purity or you're here and you've struggled with your marriage, or you're here and you're divorced and you're dealing with the guilt of that, or you're here and you're dealing with any thoughts or ideas that permeate, or you're figuring out, how do I even forgive my spouse for areas where they haven't been pure? To get to the place that you need to be, 
you really truly have to embrace and understand God's grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing. Forbear to shine 
is something that's available to each and every person. Regardless of this issue, regardless of what you've done, you can never be too dirty. You can never be so far gone on this issue that God's grace can't impact it, reclaim it, change it, and save whatever the situation is. We make this the issue that somehow God can't deal with because we don't want to talk about it. But God desperately wants to deal with it because he loves the concept of intimacy. And don't forget, it's his idea. When the apostle Paul was dealing with this and dealing with a church, specifically around the confines of marriage, he had some things to share in 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 9, that give us this beautiful picture. And it's not the only picture. Like I said, 100 passages, just one we picked. Look at what this one says about the issue. Now, for the matters you wrote about, it's not good for a man not to marry or it's good for a man not to marry. This is Paul for you single folk, okay? But since there's so much immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Do not deprive each other except by mutual consent for a time of prayer so that you may devote yourself to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all men were as I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it's good for them to stay unmarried as I am. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. So Paul deals with this in this section pretty head on. He deals with it in the church, but he also deals with a lot of the marriage issues and the single issues. And so I love this passage. The first time I was, uh, this passage became very real for me as I was doing uh, premarital counseling for a couple. And the guy had put, put his date for marriage way out here, you know. You know why they do that a lot of times, right? So they get the party right and the, you know, the reception right, and it's going to be all pretty and whatnot. And he calls, he says, man, I've been growing in my faith. I've been reading my Bible. I've been reading Corinthians. I'm like, oh, that's a good book, man. I've got a lot of information there about the church and the way we should live. He's like, yeah, and I got to that section that it's better for a man to marry than to burn with lust. You need to come to the house tonight. You need to do the wedding tonight, okay? Because this isn't working really well, and I think I'm going to mess up. And I said, no problem. Let's go get your wedding license. We did the wedding. And then we just did a renewal like six months later. But these are realities that we don't talk about that are real inside of our marriages and our lives. So for healing to begin, here's what we have to do. First thing we have to do is we have to invite God to be first on this issue. We have to invite God to be first on this particular issue, to not shy away from it. He already knows what's going on. He knows what our desires are. He knows where our struggles are. I love it. He says, don't deprive each other except by mutual consent. In other words, make God the priority there. And then when you do that, make sure that you talk to one another. But God has to be first. 
Understand that the struggle is real and understand that if you're to understand God and putting him first, you have to understand all three dimensions, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Did you know in the New Testament, there are three distinct words used for love? If you didn't know that, this is such a powerful thing to understand in your union or your next union or your future union or whatever. One you probably know, the one we're talking about today is called eros. You can figure out what word we get from that, right? That's physical union. The other one has to do with a, a, a football team that really is not very loving. You all know what that one is, right? Phileo, yeah, Philadelphia. Sorry for you Philly Eagles fans, okay? But not a loving place to go watch football, but it's the city of brotherly love. So we get the word um, brotherly love from that. In other words, an emotional connection, the idea of having that deep connection and fellowship and in our soul with another person. It's like a friendship type of love. And then there's agape. And agape is an all-inclusive love. It's a love that you can't get rid of. It's a love that says, no matter what you do, I'll still love you. It's a love that says, I'm all in for the long haul. It's the love that God shows to us. And when you look at all three of these loves, you see those when they're correctly done in a union. Dan mentioned this passage, and I think it's so important when we think about um, putting God first. He mentioned Ephesians 6 in his prayer. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Here's the reality. If you struggle in any way on this, which stats tell us someone in this room, the majority of the people in this room in some way struggle on this issue, realize this is a spiritual issue first, and it's really not a physical issue. And when you begin to understand that, then you can begin to put God first. I was sitting with my wife one evening. We had just started going back to church. I don't know if you're at that place in your faith. We, I was a, what they call backslidden is the Christian word for it, but I was just wayward for about six years. Got a relationship and started with Jesus and just fell away. Kind of started living life my own way for a while. And during that season, I made a lot of mistakes, a lot of errors, not only in my own living, but also in my marriage. And did some things that I will forever regret and can't take back. That's the problem with sexual sin, by the way. You can't take it back. And the reality is, is that I knew that as I was moving forward in my faith, that I couldn't regain my marriage and the hope of my marriage if I wasn't honest with my own wife. How do you regain intimacy when you're still hiding things that you won't share? So one evening as we were reading through Purpose Driven Life, powerful uh, devotion, it got to that point point, started talking about confession and how it really is truly good for your soul. And I had to confess to my wife areas where I had been unfaithful in our union and had to watch the impact of that land on her and demolish her soul. But I'm telling you that that was the beginning for healing because then we began to put God first in that area and we began to pray over that area and you begin to realize that you're not the same person. The grace really does change you moment by moment and that you can give more of who you are to God. And as you do that, and you have a spouse that understands that, they will forgive you if they truly have agape love. And my wife offered forgiveness to me in a way that changed our marriage. This has been many years ago. But the reality is without that, I don't think we would have been married if we hadn't gotten real and I hadn't confessed some areas to her. And sometimes we need help in doing that. Another area of putting God first is, I don't know about your kids, but when the area of sex education came up, I always was with driver's ed for us, which I always thought was a bad idea in school, but hopefully they're doing that better now, okay? But when we did health, okay, we had to go through that. And I remember pulling both my kids out. 
of the sex education, people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't want the school telling my kids about sex. I don't want the culture telling them about sex. If anyone's going to tell them about sex, it's going to be dad. And with both of our kids, I was the one that taught them God's view on marriage and sexuality. And it might be uncomfortable for you, but I'm telling you, it's the right thing to do if you want your kids to grow up and truly understand what it means to be in a good union with God the right way. So that's another way to put God first. The second thing, if you want healing, is you got to make it about your spouse's needs and not your own. That's what this passage is beautiful about. It definitely brings this out that your body doesn't belong to you. Hers doesn't belong to her. You belong to one another. And when you begin to understand that and you understand that you are supposed to mutually fulfill one another as, a, as something to glorify God, it will change your understanding. The other part of this is you have to understand the differences generally in men and women, and we'll get to the moment, also the differences in the seasons we go through in life. So let me give you a, a picture that I'm hoping will help you understand a little bit of the difference in the sex drive of men versus women. So my wife was away at the women's retreat, so I did a lot of cooking for just my son and I, and I was just in the kitchen. Miss Eva, Miss Eva who wrote a book called God's in the Kitchen, so real, right? You know, I think the kitchen also will teach you about your sex drive. So as I was thinking, thinking about this message, this is what came to me. This is a guy's sex drive. Watch this video. Should play. It is playing. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I don't see that. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't hear the click, click, click. You got it muted? Oh, yeah. Okay. Listen to it with the audio because I think the audio helps us with understanding the guy's sex drive. Do it again. There we go. Yeah. It's, what you didn't hear was click, 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 boom. Okay. That's, that's pretty much how guys roll most of the time. Okay. Now, Women generally, generally are not wired that way. I want to show you what a woman's sex drive looks like. So I took this video from yesterday. Okay, so these are generalities. I don't want to say everybody's like this, but generally speaking, a guy's just like that burner. Tick, 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 boom, ready to go, on the go, okay? Women are like a crock pot. My, wife, my wife's one to remind me, like crock pot. You gotta warm us up, warm them up, right? You gotta set the right tone. You gotta set the right temperature. You gotta prepare the situation, right? The right carrots, the right onions. You know what I'm saying? You gotta, you gotta prepare it all. That's a good deer roast, by the way. But these are generalities in our sex drive. And for you to understand to meet your spouse's needs, you have to understand this. And we don't talk about this, but it's so true. So, ladies, I just want you to understand this. Your husband, if you're married, generally is ready to go. No, needs no warning, needs no romance, they're ready. Men, I need you to understand this about your wives. Your wives generally are not wired that way, okay? You need to be romantic. You need to still pursue them the way you did when you dated them. You need to sometimes just create a moment. That is, and, and by the way, without the expectation, okay? But when you do that, they respond. And, and the reason why is we're wired very differently and these kind of situations require courageous conversations between husbands and wife and wives. Did you know that 44% of the men who cheated on their wives did so because they stated that they were physically not being satisfied? Real, okay? Remember, tick, 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 boom, okay? But they weren't real enough to confess that, to talk about that, to address the issue in their union. Interesting enough, 33 or 40% of women that actually cheated said they went outside of the marriage because they were not being emotionally fulfilled. Crockpot. Okay? 
So the reality is, is that you have to have these real conversations with one another and we avoid them. Man, you need to tell your wives what your rhythm is, kind of where you are, what your physical needs are. And wives, you need to tell your husbands what it is you desire from them emotionally, what they need to do to recultivate the romance, how they need to continue to pursue you in marriage. These are important topics that if we avoid them, we will avoid health and will give Satan an opportunity to make a steal. The third thing when you want to get healed is you have to understand that we're different seasons for different reasons. Different seasons for different reasons. I love that Paul says, he says this is a concession, not a command. He talks about he wishes like all men were like he is. And so for those of you that are single, I just want to let you know it's okay. It's okay to be single. One of the things that I've seen in this area of temptation that I think is horrible in our culture is when people think they've got to jump to the next relationship. You ever met someone like that? They jump from relationship to relationship to relationship. And the reality is when you're in a season of singleness, it's okay to embrace it. Whether you've been single your whole life or you find yourself single in this season, whether because you're widowed or divorced. In fact, what I would say to you, based on what Paul is sharing here, is first always come back to working on your relationship with God to be as whole as you can, to be in the best relationship with him. Because if you do that, you will be one day a future spouse that's worth wedding. And I tell you, it'll improve your character and it'll improve your patience. If you're newlyweds, okay, just think about how this, this works. Y'all remember being newlyweds? It's been like 30 years for me, 30 years. But when you're newlyweds, this is different, isn't it? Right? The physical is probably the one thing that you don't even have to worry about, it, right? Go talk to someone that's been married for about 20, 30 years. They will tell you the honeymoon eventually does wear off on the area of physical relationship, which is why you have to have genuine conversations about what your expectations are. It's not always going to be that way. I'm sorry, guys. You get married, you're like, man, this is going to be this way for all my life for the next 50, 60 years. It's not going to work that way. And ladies, you can't fix him. You can't get married and go, I know he's an emotional wreck now, but once we're married, he'll settle down, he'll settle in, and then he'll give me my needs emotionally. It doesn't work that way. This is why you have to work on yourself well when you're single to make yourself as whole as possible. If you're divorced, a friend of mine recently told me he spent a whole season of singleness just so he can not only work on his faith, but he also wanted to work on where he could have improved as a husband because he recognized that there was a part of that he could own and he needed to deal with that first before he ever thought about a new relationship. If you're married, let me just ask you a few questions. Are you happy in this area? Have you talked to your spouse about where you are? Regardless of your age, regardless of how long you've been married, is this something you talk about or is it a taboo topic even in your own home? What season do you find yourself in? And based on the season that you're in, are you feeling whole and healed in that season in your marriage? How far are you willing to go to get full healing. Sometimes the cultures that we create are cultures that make it hard for us to receive healing. There was a gentleman who was a worship leader years ago, and he wanted to write a song. Obviously, if you're a worship leader, you like writing music. And he wrote a song because he wanted people to be healed, and specifically, he wrote it and said he had cancer. And he told people this lie, this facade. He, he was hiding behind a much more relatable issue. 
they told me he had cancer and, and they, he believed that God could heal him of it. But what was really going on was he was dealing with lust and he was dealing with pornography. But he couldn't say that in the church because it was a taboo topic. It was something that wasn't allowed to be confessed. And because of that, he had to lie. That was the situation we can create sometimes inside of our churches, inside of our marriages, inside of our relationships. It's not right or whole. And so what I want to do today for you is create a moment where we just let God have some space so you can hear from him and respond to him. Especially if this is an area of struggle for you, whether it's you haven't talked about some honest issues with your spouse or you're single and you're struggling with waiting. You're dealing with sexual temptation in some form or some fashion. You're not having the courageous conversations that you should be having. It's a topic that you don't even want to talk about or even think about what God may say about it. Maybe you're here and you feel dirty, unclean. You're online watching and you're thinking, God could never heal what I've done. And the reality is, all it takes is a courageous conversation with God and one other person. Because it's easy just to cop out and say, I'll confess that to God and I'm good. It's a whole other thing to confess to God and then find someone that you've built a good enough relationship with and then confess to them. But that's where real healing begins when we get honest where we are and confessing that to others. I believe you're my healer. 
We recognize and hope to come before you in a transparent way this day. Father, without honesty and integrity and transparency and confession, there's no healing. And God, we need to be healed. Specifically, we need to be healed on this issue. It's an issue far too long that Satan has had dominion over and that your church and your people need to take back. They need to take back their purity. They need to take back their marriages. They need to take back that we have authority over this issue and that you created it to be good. And that within the confines of marriage, it's glorious and beautiful and intimate and wonderful. Father, it is my prayer that if there's anything that's not been confessed this day, that we'll still take a moment to confess it. Back to you and to a trusted friend so that we can stand in victory and look back on this day and say, I was set free, I was healed, and I no longer deal with this issue now, but I've moved forward. Father, give us the opportunity to take some courageous steps. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people said, Amen. So a couple things before we dismiss and, and stand to celebrate what I believe that God's been doing in our church and will continue to do on this particular issue. Uh, one thing is, if you really are stuck in this area, I want to let you know the Connect card is anonymous this week. It won't be shared with everybody. Won't share it with their, Normally we share those with our deacons so they can pray over issues. But if you're dealing with a deep issue, whether it's your marriage or an area of purity, I want you to put it on your Connect card this week. Put it in the offering box. Do that online as well. We will reach out to you from a pastoral perspective and keep it confidential because we want you to receive the full healing that God has for you in this area. Don't hold anything back because we want to help you. So that's one thing I want to tell you. Make sure you respond to God on this issue because that's where you're going to see courageous healing in all of your areas of your life. So that's a biggie. The other one is when you get stuck, we have a wonderful process for that in our church. A lot of people don't understand that Celebrate Recovery, which meets every Thursday, starts at 645 because they have a cool time of fellowship first. But that's for everybody. A lot of times we think that's only for those people. The reality is, is every single one of us have been through a hurt. We've gotten hung up or we've got a habit that we can't break. That's real for people. And so when you work the Beatitudes and you work the steps, healing comes. It's a guarantee, but it takes a courageous person. And again, that's completely anonymous. You walk in, we don't even keep records of those that come on Thursday evenings. And that's something where you will be able to receive healing, whether it's you're grieving a loss that you can't get through, you're dealing with a hang up. I guarantee it works. And I recommend it to every single person here and online every Thursday. And additionally, we've got one online now, right? So Wednesdays at what time? 6.30, just follow Pastor Danny's Facebook and you'll be able to connect with that online. So a lot of different ways that you can connect. 
So one last thought for you as we begin to, to stand and, and get out of here and celebrate this is you got to get real if you want to avoid the steal, right? Satan comes to what? Kill me, man, destroy. Jesus said, but I've come that you might have life and have it in the full. And that's also true in this area. If you want to have life in the full and you want to avoid Satan's steal, you got to get real. Have those conversations. If you're struggling with how to have them, reach out to me. I want to serve you. Our pastoral team wants to serve you in this area. Amen? Amen. So let's do something a little different. Let's, let's uh, stand and let's celebrate what God's about to do by faith of how he's going to take back areas of our marriages, take back areas of our purity as we stand our ground. Amen? Amen. Gonna flinch. I'm not gonna run from this. No, I'm not gonna. Come. 